Last time we talked about the technical aspects of building a personal brand, which were somewhat more the hard skills, if you will, of brand development. So looking at mastery of skill and looking at a niche category and those kind of things were all somewhat technical and somewhat apparatic in that uh, they were necessary to achieve the goals set forth for your brand and understanding the functions that your brand would serve, and not in your eyes, but in the eyes of the end user. Well, this week, I want to do the second part of this series on building your personal brand. And I want to talk to you about the softer side or the softer skills of brand development and brand management. These are the things that, depending on your temperament, may come more easily to you or more naturally to some people the technical aspects of brand development are more comforting and the social side is less so and vice versa so you'll probably find uh, having listened to both parts of this that one half of this equation will probably appeal to you at least a little bit more than the other but don't let that dissuade you both parts are equally important You must have the first skill set, which we talked about in the last podcast, and you really must have the second skill set, which we're going to talk about now. So stick around. As always, I want to take a minute to remind you that this podcast is brought to you by Michael McAteer Communications and Michael McAteer, me, or Michael Mack. You can follow me on Twitter. Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and Tumblr, and LinkedIn at Get Me Michael Mack. Please feel free to seek me out on those platforms. You can contact me with any questions or comments you have about the show at GetMeMichaelMack at gmail.com. That's G-E-T-M-E-M-I-C-H-A-E-L-M-A-C at gmail.com. I welcome any feedback that you have, any comments. I love hearing from Folks who listen to this podcast, uh, I get regular mail, and um, I do appreciate your, your comments and feedback. It means a lot. Additionally, if you find that you're struggling yourself with some of the issues that we discuss on this podcast, or that you feel like that you need some expert help in identifying and solving some of the marketing problems that we put forth here, feel free to contact me uh, at any time at getmemichaelmack at gmail.com or go to michaelmackdigitalmarketing.com and look me up and uh, be happy to work with you on your personal brand or on your business brand, uh, whatever your need is. Um, I'm happy to work with small businesses to help them achieve their marketing goals. So once again, the podcast is brought to you by me, Michael Mack, and Michael Mack Tier Communications, LLC. Thanks for listening. Some of you may be old enough to remember the Sears department store campaign that ran probably a good 15 years ago, which was the softer side of Sears. If you remember the campaign, it was attempting to induce people who were shopping at Sears for things like appliances, washer, dryers, refrigerators, lawnmowers, hand tools, uh, things like that, household tools and trying to convince them that Sears was not just a great place to get your hammer, screwdriver, and dishwasher, 
but also a place that you should go for your men's, women's fashion, children's fashion, jewelry, bedding, etc. Not unlike Sears, if you only focus on the hard skills that we've covered in the first part of this two-part series of building your own brand, and you only focus on the mastery of skill and on your niche category and on the technical aperture of your brand, then you're missing half the equation because it's very important to the hiring manager on the other side of that desk that you are competent, you're capable, that you are, you have the skills required to perform the job. But at, at the same time, you still have to work with other people. And that hiring manager has to work with you. And they want to know, are you a good fit for the personality required for this job? Not just can you do the job technically, but is your temperament the right kind of temperament? Are you the right kind of personality that I could get along with to achieve the goals? The soft skills that you'll showcase in your second half of the brand development will demonstrate those aptitudes that you have inherently. You don't need to pretend to be something you're not. And in fact, I would advocate that you should never, ever advertise yourself as something that you're not. If you're really introverted, then don't pretend to be an extrovert. It won't work or vice versa. If you are really serious, don't try to be super funny. It's not going to work. Okay. It's okay to be whatever it is that you are as your brand. And it should be you because it's what you're going to be naturally once you get hired in the job position by the client or whatever the case may be. That person is trying to get an assessment of who and what you really are. And you want to show them who and what you really are as best as you can so that way they can get a fair assessment of of what you have to offer and bring. And you shouldn't shy away from whatever your temperament and personality is. It doesn't mean that it's good or bad or right or wrong. It's who you are. And that's what they're hiring. They're hiring you. They're not just hiring a position. They're not just hiring to fill a space in the organization. They're hiring you. And so a good bit of brand development, personal brand development, has to do with showcasing yourself honestly, accurately, and authentically, and also in the best possible light. Now, this isn't cheating, and you're not lying by any stretch, because it's the same thing you would do on a first date. Imagine on the first date, all the preparation that goes into what you have to do before you ever reach the front door to pick up your date. If you're a guy, then you know that it's a lot of finding the right outfit to wear. You're probably going to wash your car. You're probably going to put on a little too much cologne. Uh, you might buy a new pair of shoes, you know, to really impress this date that you're going to be picking up and ladies vice versa. So same thing. Think of your personal brand as almost like a pre-date interview and that you're hoping that the person that's on the other side of the table that's hiring either for a full-time, part-time position or in a contract position wants to go out on a second date with you, that you make a good impression, that you are thoughtful and that you are friendly and you are articulate and all the things that you hope come across that you are naturally. So these are all the 
types of attributes that we're going to try to accentuate as best we can to the softer side of your brand development. The first thing you need to consider when positioning the softer side of your brand, and this might sound funny to you or somewhat somewhat unusual, is that you need to have a good and recent picture of yourself, at least one. Have one recent picture taken within the last at least five years and one that is at least semi-professionally shot, one that gives a lot of thought to how you look and how you're presenting yourself and how you are communicating what you're about to your audience. Now, you may be thinking that you have a really great selfie that you took at a party where you're wearing a fancy dress and you really liked the way you looked, and you were very happy in the picture, and you think, oh, that's the perfect picture for me to use. I look so happy and well-dressed, and I had my hair done that night or whatever, and the answer for that is probably no. That's probably not going to work. It'll work fine for Instagram. It'll work fine for um, a snapshot, but we're not talking about a snapshot here. We're talking about a good and recent picture of yourself. Now, you may also be thinking of a picture that somebody took of you at your cousin's wedding. You may be wearing a suit and you look nice and you're smiling in front of the camera and there's nobody photobombing you in the background. You're like, oh my God, what a great picture. I'm totally going to use this for myself again. Probably not. That's probably not going to fly for reasons that I'm about to explain. And I hope that once I explain why you need to have not just a recent picture, but a good picture of yourself. You'll know what I mean. When I was in art school, which I got my undergraduate degree at Columbus College of Art and Design, I, you have to take a lot of art classes. You just think about art all the time. You talk about art to the teachers, to the other students. You look at art. You make art you evaluate art and it's it's all year round it's inductive in a way i think that a four-year liberal arts college isn't because in that setting you have at least some variety of classes there's some frequency of history versus economics versus psychology etc in an art school you have different frequencies of art but it's all art for that reason, you develop a particularly critical eye for form and for the way things are presented. And that's something you're taught. It's maybe something that some people see and know automatically. You may have an eye for these sorts of things. But in art school, they're explicitly taught. And one of the things that they teach you in art school is how to evaluate a portrait. Now... If you've not had explicit fine arts training, you may not know how to evaluate a portrait, or you may not know what to look for. So I'm going to give you a couple simple things that you can do to evaluate a portrait the next time that you're in an art museum and you're seeing the big oil paintings on the wall, 
and you're thinking all these people look the same. They're all not smiling at the, you know, fourth wall or whatever. There's a lot that goes into portraiture. There's a lot that goes into the formation of a portrait. And these rules don't just apply to 18th and 19th century oil painters. They apply to you. And so I want you to think about these things when you are considering building your portrait. Because your portrait, the portrait that you put forth to the world, is going to be a window into your soul of sorts. People will read quite a bit into your portrait and read quite a bit, even subconsciously, into what you're saying or how you're saying it or what you're not saying with your portrait. I don't want to delay this any further, so I'll just go ahead and get to what I'm trying to say. In portraiture, it matters if the person is standing up or sitting down. If they're standing up, it might mean that they are a person of power. To be standing may signify that they are important, right? That the attention is on them. If they're sitting, it depends on how they're sitting. Are they sitting forward like they're listening? Are they sitting back like they're reclined and they are relaxed? Do they have their hands on their lap? Are their hands behind their head? Um, are their hands holding up their chin? All these things matter. Also in portraiture, it matters. Is there an object in the frame with the person being portraitized? So are they holding anything? Are they holding a sword? That might show that they were a military person. Are they holding a pen? That might show that they're a statesman or a writer. Are they holding a camera? Are they holding a piece of fruit? Are they holding, you can name it, a hat? All these things, these gestures, these accessories, these positions, these innuendos all fit into a portrait to show somebody something about yourself that you're wanting to tell them beyond what they can read on the page. Also in portraiture, it matters if the person is looking you in the eye or not. Are they looking directly at you? Are they looking down? Are they looking away from you? Are they turned away from you? These are all questions that the viewer is expected to answer and to analyze to understand the purpose of the portrait and to really understand what it is that the artist or the person that is having the portrait produced is trying to say about themselves. How are they dressed? Are they dressed extremely formally? Are they dressed very casually? Are they indoors or outdoors? Or is it day or night? Everything matters. So if you're going to have a professional portrait or a semi-professional portrait taken of you, these are all things that you should consider as well when deciding how you really think you would best be presented to the world. Now, if you're not that familiar or not sure how you'd think you'd best be presented to the world, not unusual at all. Most of us don't give any thought to professional portrait photography of ourselves. Then what I'd suggest you do is go to a library or a bookstore near you and find a book of portrait photography. There are some wonderful 
portrait photographers who have worked and shot celebrities over time or shot important people in American life, presidents and statesmen and world leaders and writers and artists and actors and musicians. And take a look at some of those portraits in that book. You'll probably find, after examining a few dozen portraits, that some of them will resonate with you. And you'll say, that looks like me. I see how that person is holding their head. Or I can see how they're turned toward the camera, turned away from the camera. Or the expression they have on their face looks kind of like how I would like to be perceived by the world. That's extremely helpful because then if you can kind of get a sense of what that person is doing in their portrait that works for them, that you think would work for you, then you can take that portrait or that information to a photographer and show them and say, I found this portrait, which was shot by Annie Leibovitz, for example, of this famous actress or actor, and I really like it. And I really like what is going on in this portrait. And I'd like to capture something of this, of myself. Now, this may all sound really, really involved. And probably more than what you bargained for. And there's nothing saying that you have to do this. And if you don't do it, then you're doing something wrong. Or that it's not going to work. Or you're not going to be a success. None of that is true. None of it at all. But what is important in this is that you're considering and you're giving thought to the picture that you're using of yourself not just the one that your husband thinks you look pretty or your wife and you have a nice smile in the picture really really think about that picture and think about what it is that you want to communicate to the world about yourself and about your brand the more that you can consider that and the more accurate you can be in communicating that picture of yourself to the world the more likely it is that somebody will receive it the way you intended. And that is the entire point. Okay, so you've given a great deal of thought and emphasis and intent into your portrait, which you're going to use for your social media channels, your Facebook profile, your LinkedIn profile, your Twitter profile, etc., it's very important that you use the same portrait throughout all your social media. One, because you've worked really hard at producing said portrait, and you're very proud of it, and you really want people to see you as you want to be seen. And two, consistency goes a long way. Think about in the workplace how important consistency is in trust and in reliability. When you show up to work, you're hoping, in most cases, that your boss is reliably consistent emotionally. That they're the same person day to day, day in and day out. Now, if you're very lucky, your boss is generally consistent emotionally, day to day, Monday through Friday. Same person at 9 a.m. is there at 5 p.m. You have hopefully had bosses like this. I have. I've had managers and supervisors that were very consistent and it helped to build rapport and trust. Likewise, you've probably, if you're anything like me, had managers and supervisors which were radically emotionally inconsistent 
and you didn't know what you were going to get day to day or the person in the morning could be very different than the person in the afternoon. And that makes it very difficult to relate to the person or to want to interact with them. So for those reasons, it's a good idea that you consistently show your same picture across all your social media channels as your profile picture so that way people see that you are consistently presenting the same picture of yourself, the same principles matter, and more importantly, that they know that they're finding the right person, that the person they're looking for maybe have a similar or same name as you, particularly if you have a somewhat common name. The best way to differentiate yourself is to have a consistent and a reputable picture of yourself to say, aha, this is the Mr. or Mrs. Smith I'm looking for. I can tell by the profile picture is the same one they have on Twitter as they have on Instagram, etc. Now, once you've done that, the next step is the what I call the show me, don't tell me model of brand development. Now, this is very important and can be somewhat a little bit more difficult to come by for some, depending on what your expertise is and what your job is that you do on the regular. But uh, typically, any job that you do requires some kind of physical effort. It doesn't have to be exertion. Let's say that you are a... Uh, computer network programmer, one of these IT men or women that uh, works on connecting the, the computer networks and solving the network issues and hooking up the printer and all that stuff. Uh, that's a very technical job. It doesn't look very glamorous. It's not something that you would see somebody doing this job and be like, wow, that looks really cool. The way you're totally hooking up that ethernet to the printer is just amazing right maybe you would say that but in any case no matter how kind of rudimentary or seemingly dull your job is it's still something that happens in the real world it's still something that happens in the physical plane and for that reason you really should try to make an effort to show pictures of yourself working doing the thing that you do the best. Now, this is important, again, because you're going to be submitting a resume or an online portfolio to the job search engines or to the potential clients, and very likely they're going to do some kind of a check on you on social media to see what kind of person you are when you're not working. And it's helpful for people to see you in your real life, doing things that are either work-related or can be not work-related. Imagine if you were in my position, and let's say that I'm hiring for a particular position in a company that you really want to work for. Whatever your job is, it doesn't matter. You really want to work for the company, and I happen to be the person who's hiring for the position that you would like to, to get the job. So I get your resume, and I check out your credentials, your mastery of skill, your niche, your ability, your competency looks good. And then probably the next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to do a search on social media for you to see 
what kind of social media presence you have. What kind of person are you online? Now, let's say that you are a parent, and I see a lot of pictures of you with your kids doing healthy family things on your online profile. That's going to tell me that you're very family-oriented and that you really care about your kids and that you're probably a good parent. That says a lot. We, we read a lot into people who care for their children and have a good positive impression of people online who are good parents. Same thing if I see pictures of you uh, with animals, with dogs, with cats, with chickens, geese, ducklings, you name it. Then again, I'm probably going to think that you're an animal person who really likes animals and that you are somebody who's friendly and caring and nurturing. Now, let's say that you don't like children or animals. That's fine. But let's say that I see pictures of you at classic car shows, that you are standing near muscle cars. Then I could get a sense that you are a classic car enthusiast, which is fine. That's great. That's an interesting hobby, I guess. I don't care about classic cars. But it does give me some kind of sense as to who you are when you're not in the office. And it shows that you have interests and hobbies and activities which you participate in with others in a natural, wholesome setting. If I can't find anything like this about you and you're some kind of black hole, then it looks like that you're just sitting in your room in the dark all the time waiting for the next day to come so you can go back to work and then return to your dark room and sit there again. If that's the sense I have from you, then I'm going to think that you may be a sociopath or something and you're not getting the job. So it's important that you can show me what it is that you do professionally or in your off time, in your casual time, that gives me a sense of your personality and what your interests and hobbies are. This is very important because we read a lot into that. We read other people by what they tell us about themselves, either willingly or unwillingly. What they know they're telling us versus what they don't know they're telling us, but they're saying it just as loud. So make sure that as much as you can control for it, that you're putting things out there that represent you the best. That you're putting things out there into social media, into the public sphere that really do represent you. If you are very religious and you are a very devout person, then if I went to your social media, I would expect to see probably at least a smattering of religious, inspirational uh, postings or quotes or verses or something of that variety, which would indicate to me how important religion is in your life. Now, I'm not particularly religious myself, but I do respect people's religiosity and people who are very devout. And I understand that that plays a significant role in their lives, and it can be very meaningful to them. So, once again, whatever it is, I want to see that you are a real person out there in the world, outside of your resume and your carefully crafted portrait. These are soft things that you can do which will really raise the odds of you getting chosen over your competitors for that contract or for that part-time, full-time position or for that contract. You name it, the stuff works. So go forth and do. 
There's one last bit that I want to talk to you about, which is kind of striking the balance between, on one hand, carefully crafting your portrait of yourself, which best exemplifies you at your best possible moment with careful articulation versus you in a casual work setting or a casual off-work setting that really shows what your values and interests and morals are. That is, I want you to consider being careful in the language that you use on social media for public dissemination. We use language every single day of our lives. The first thing that you do when you're born into this world is start using language to describe how you're feeling about being someplace that's suddenly very bright and cold comparatively to where you were very short while ago. You start crying, right? And that's the first time in your little life that you're trying to use your voice to communicate how you're feeling about something. If you're spending time around babies, you know that they cry quite a bit for all kinds of things. Well, it's not their fault that they're crying so much. It's the only way that they have to communicate that they are wet or they're hungry or they're tired or they're awake or they're whatever they are. Same thing happens as we progress into advanced life into adulthood is that you use your words, written and spoken words, to articulate your beliefs, your perspective, your wants, your desires, your goals, etc. So... When you are communicating on social media, via Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, please be careful. The words that you use and the tone that you set with what you share and how you share it. It is very important because whether you realize it or not, a great deal, if not everything that goes on on social media is being recorded probably forever is probably going to be a record of what you put on Facebook in 2010 forever so while it may not seem consequential now it may very well be very consequential in the future but likewise you can be too careful too tailored in your language too sanitized to the point that you don't sound like you're being authentic or real and nobody wants that Right? Nobody wants to have a friend or an associate or a colleague that they feel is simply paying lip service and just telling them what they think they want to hear or what they think the right answer is to the questions. We expect to have an authentic, real experience with another person, whether we're working with them now or we'll be working with them in the future. So try as best you can, particularly on Twitter, is the best platform for this, to let some of your personality show and to let some of your points of view show in a non-threatening and in a non-offensive way. If Twitter has a whole host of positive social issues which are being discussed and bantied about all the time, any way to which you can comment on and add a positive comment or a positive photograph or support for which would show that you take an interest in things outside of yourself that happen in the real world that may be even apart from yourself. I'll give you an example. I was on Twitter this week, and I saw 
that a woman won the Nobel Prize for physics for the first time in decades. That for the first time in several decades, a woman had won the Nobel Peace Prize for physics, physics research. Now, I don't have any particular interest in physics, and I don't particularly follow who wins the Nobel Peace Prize, but I was very happy to see that a woman had won the Nobel Peace Prize through the merits of her work. And so I said, congratulations to you. That's a wonderful, you know, thing that you've accomplished. Hashtag women in STEM. Now, what I was doing there was I was trying to attempt to show that although I'm not a woman, I'm not in physics, that I do appreciate that women are making strides in industries now where they once didn't have much of a participation rate. And I think that's great. And so that's worth celebrating. Something simple like that is a very simple and easy way for you to show that you have a compassionate interest in things which may not involve you or directly reflect you, and that shows empathy. And empathy is a very important part of demonstrating that you are a good, well-rounded, mature person, that you can take interest in things that don't directly benefit you monetarily or socially, and that because of that, you can appreciate the goodness in things for what they are. I'm sounding just sounding a little preachy, so let's go stop there. Needless to say, the important thing is that you do share yourself online, but be very careful what you share, and be careful how you share it. One, it may be there forever, and you may have to account for that language in the future, or you may not feel the same way in the future. And two, other people are looking at that language now and later, and they may judge you based on what you have to say. So choose your words carefully because your words always matter. That's all for this week. Thank you for joining me and for taking the time to listen to my insights on building your personal brand. I hope that you found this two-part series to be useful, insightful, and something that you can take direct action on today. As always, if you find that you need assistance or help or some expert insight, or if you just want to comment or send me some uh, success of what you're sharing of your life and how things are going for you, I'm happy to hear from you. Email me at getmemichaelback at gmail.com. Let me know what you think of the show and how you're using this content to further your brand development. And uh, I'll see you next week when we talk about all things website and why a website is still so very important for small business and some platforms that you can examine for developing your website to get your name out there and to further your brand. Thanks for listening.